Good evening, everyone. Welcome to tonight's Hangout on the Shacky News. Tonight, we have a special co-host, Mr. Jay Brennan. He's kind of shy. He doesn't have a lot to say. But the good news is the topic we're going to talk about tonight, he's very well versed in, and that is music freestyle. Jay. You know, George Lamond, Expose. Back to you, Brian. And that's it. Thanks for joining us. Now, uh, welcome to the show. This is our maiden voyage with Jay. Jay and I do phone conversations, uh, very lengthy ones, and we have for many, many years yes. about all things DJ. And we've never wow. done a live broadcast like this together on the yeah. Shacky News. You've been on, you've been in the chat during my show. I've been on the chat during your show, but we've never done it together. No. And uh, I will just say this publicly. Jay was my muse for many, many years with all the YouTube videos. He was the one who gave me a lot of the really good ideas that I was throwing out there. And uh, I want to just publicly give you props on that, dude, because you. you were my guy. Appreciate that. I went to BSR back in, believe it or not, February of 2012. Said, Brian, I think I want to do something on YouTube. What do you think? And here we are today with almost 2 million views on my channel based pretty much on ripping off the I'm following the advice of the BSR. So well, Mr. Right GK tips in under a minute. We had a friend who sadly we lost who was I don't think Brian and I and Brian, you know, I have my moments of greatness with music, but Brian is somebody that I envy with his knowledge of music. But we had a friend, Mark Mosley, who passed away a few years ago, who I have never seen the likes of. I've been involved in music all my life. I've played music. I worked on the radio. I'm a DJ. Just music is my passion. It's the biggest thing outside of family that I have because I can be anywhere in the world and have music and it changes the dynamics of everything. But I called Mark one night at Brian's bequest. Hey, give Mark a call. He's down in Florida and he's still awake. So I called him and I remember the phone died after about three hours of talking to him. And if I said, oh, yeah, that reminds me of that old Janet Jackson jam like this, without missing a beat, like literally no time at all, he would be like, remember the Force MDs track that was just like this? Because I think Janet did the background. And I'm like, whoa, um, I didn't quite realize that. Well, that's like with Andrew Ridgely from when, oh, remember he did that solo project and he had Jackson Brown write that song? I'm like, we couldn't stop him. I mean, like, literally. Yeah, yeah. Like, I love guys like yeah. that, and, and I I don't meet them very often, but I, I love oh. it when I do meet guys like that. I, I mean, so much love, just so much love. And Brian and I have these conversations on a weekly basis. Christian, DJ Pulse, who I think is going to watch tonight, we have these conversations. Chris Cox, the producer, and I have had these conversations. I've had them with a lot of people because it comes down to one thing, and I envy Brian's ability to go on and say, name a song with strings. And there's 900 comments or oh. I'm gonna name this song. And we, we have this talk all the time about what to play next. And, you know, I reference, I'm going to play blurred lines and you ask 10 DJs what they play next and you get 10 different opinions. But that's kind of when the moments are real, when you realize that passion, because it's just love. You know, my son said something the other day about the lottery being the money. What is it? Powerball. He goes, what would you do if you won? I said, just what I'm doing now. Yeah, do right. And I do it for free probably at that point, or I would charge and I would just donate the money, but I would DJ every day. Cause I think oh, anytime, I love what I do. I love what I do. you can it's... play music, like I don't understand DJs that can do these killer mixes at home. 
like it's got to be a program because to put on, you know, open Serato or record box or tractor or virtual and start playing music in an empty room just to me is boring because I don't want to play music that makes sense to a mix. I want to play music that I love. So I'm All playing right. Smith. I'm doing this and that. I kind of envy DJs that are great at doing a mix by themselves because without the crowd, that whole end of the music kind of goes away. What's your take on that? Right. No, I agree. I do my best work in front of an audience. And it's just because I have somebody to play off of. And right. we had this conversation recently Yeah. where, yeah, you can sit at home and lay down a mix, but, you know, really getting it in front of an audience to really understand, you know, what, what they're going to respond to and maybe what, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Predict what they're going to respond to next right. is something you have to do in the moment. And, and I'm that guy. I'm a live performance DJ. Right. There are those who, yeah, they sit in the studio and they can do a great mix. On the other hand, I mean, what's the response to that mix? Oh, cool mix? Or are you actually getting a... Uh, well, the reaction we're looking for is different than the reaction they may be looking for, I guess I should right. say. Because we're looking for a specific reaction, usually which is dancing or right. whatever the case might be. I, I did a casino gig a while back. Obviously, we weren't dancing. I was playing music to kind of engage them in another way. But I was watching them and how they responded to what I was doing. And what they responded well to, I did more of. And what they didn't respond so well to, I did less of. Sure. That, that's very difficult to do when you're just sitting in the studio mixing. You and I can hear it and say, yeah, that was really cool. Or you can hear it on the radio on the way home and say, yeah, that was nice. But what did we, what was our real response to it? I did think we love it. Did we, were we okay with it? Did we like it enough not to turn the channel? What, what happened? You know, right. only live performance DJ can understand. I, I think there are levels and I think you of all people will get and appreciate this. You know, there's, there's several levels of DJing and there's have to have a crowd. The guy that slams or the girl that slams the mix is everything is energy. Everything is about the moment. But I've always thought the level that you want to be or that you aspire to is the David Mancuso, Larry Levan, you know, Tenega, yeah. guys that didn't play to the crowd. They played. It became... The crowd did what the DJ wanted, not the DJ responded to the, I mean, that's very rare. Like there aren't a hundred DJs we can name. Like most of the headliners right. of festivals this summer, they can't walk in a room and make a crowd do anything if you put a helmet on them and didn't say their famous name. Well, first of all, let me give you guys a little backstory on this. He's, he's dropping names here. David Mancuso. Do you guys know who he is by chance? You can nod. Yes. You can shake your head. No. Okay. David Mancuso was this guy back in I, the late 60s. He had a loft apartment, and I believe it was Greenwich Village, or maybe it was Soho. Anyway, around Soho, it was Soho, I believe. Village, I think. On Spring Street. Yeah. And, right? Okay. And yeah, like, anyway, there was, a thing, there was a thing back then where unemployment was really bad. So the city said that you could have a rent party if you wanted to to raise rent so you could pay your landlord and not get evicted. So David Mancuso started having these rent parties at his loft. And he hired people like Frankie Knuckles and Larry LeVan to cater these things. They were just kids. And he would DJ. 
with his record collection, which was odd stuff, but stuff a lot of you might know, like Apache and things like that. They were kind of weird records, and you really took people on a journey, and it was invite only. And if you look at some of the people who like went to the loft, I mean, Aretha Franklin went to the loft, but anybody just couldn't go there. The place wasn't that big. He paid one price. It was all-inclusive, all the food and drugs and drink you could have, and music. David would spin the tunes, and, and people would, would start crying because you know the mixes were just so beautiful. I mean, they might have been really high. I mean, we don't know. But David was the first DJ like we, as we know DJs. He didn't mix, right. but, but he, he programmed. The club DJ that we know, that this was David. And I was thinking about David Mancuso recently because when we were at Mobile Beat, remember Jay was, was uh, how do I want to say it? He was, he was having church on the patio and he was talking <laughs> to these kids. He said, if you guys don't know who David Mancuso is, if you don't even care about your history, you got no business doing this. You need to get out of here if you don't know who David Mancuso is. And I'm thinking to myself, wasn't I the one who explained to Jay who David Mancuso was 10 years ago? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, hey, I, I credit where credit's due. But I think. <laughs> But this is the same discussion we had there about music. It's become twofold. There are businessmen and mm. women who run DJ businesses who, as a byproduct, play whatever is the best track to get the crowd going. They could yeah. put 200 songs together, send 10 DJs out to 10 events, and be successful. Yeah, I've, I've done it. Right. Just find that formula and you can just use it everywhere. Exactly. But then there are, oh my God, I love music. The difference becomes when you see someone do something at an event and you respond with a song, that's the passionate DJ. The other one is already making a list of who am I gonna hand my business card to? Where am I most likely to get my next gig? And that's fine, I'm not disputing that. You don't, you know, music's funny that way. It's based on passion, my opinion. It's based on love, but it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to always be embraced. I mean, there's a couple of DJs who in my time I've met and said something about, oh, this song, love this song, loving this song. And they looked at me like, yeah, whatever. And I'm like, you're not a huge music guy. And they're like, no. I'm like, why? They're like, well, I just play what I know works. And, and that's fine. Yeah. There are not, a lot of DJs not, that you know, like that, a lot. A lot of professions tend to have a certain ideology within the individual in the profession. I think most doctors want to do good. I think most firefighters want to save lives and most EMTs want sure. to see people get better. You know, you can go right down the list. DJs are a funny thing though. Right. I always thought we were like my first mobile beat in 98. I was like, these people all love music the way I do. No, not really. And talking didn't right. meeting you 11 years ago, it's the knowledge that then expands where I hang up the phone with you and I get on YouTube and I'm looking up the Larry LeVan remix and the David Mancuso. I mean, I've spent days on YouTube watching stuff based on you saying, check this out. I mean, my theme song, Lola's theme. <laughs> I can't believe of all songs, that song stuck. And I don't know why that one did, but that's this. So if, if you're interested, there's a group called Shapeshifters. And they might be American, but they hit big over in the UK and in Europe in the early 2000s. They had two big hits. One was called Back to Basics. One was called Lola's Theme. And for some reason, 
that song really resonated with Jay. Resonated with me. And by the way, just real quick, because I don't want to forget this. I want to give a big shout out to somebody. And this shows you where we are in the world, in the market. We're doing DJ Expo probably six years ago, seven years ago. And Brian comes over to me and says, I want you to meet somebody. Oh, okay, cool. Just a random dude, baseball cap, glasses, just a DJ. Walk over. I'm like, hey, nice to meet you. Yeah, mustache. Yeah, mustache. Yeah, this is Joey Blue. He's a DJ. I'm like, oh, nice to meet you. Jay's pioneer thing, this and that. We start talking, and Brian goes, hey, tell him whose song you played for the first time in New York City. He's like, oh, yeah, Madonna. I'm like, wait, what? Joey Blue is a DJ at Studio 54, Cafeteria. Um, Funhouse. Funhouse. Yeah. Regularly attended, knew, I think on a one-on-one level, knew Larry Levan. Well, he went to school with Jellybean Benitez. Went to school with Jellybean, but said he would go to the garage all the time to see what Larry was doing. And was was DJing at Studio 54 when Michael Jackson's management gave him the backtracks for Billie Jean and Thriller. And Michael Jackson moonwalked across the dance floor they had um like a bridge that went from like the cocaine moon to the other side of 54 and had him play it and they left it with him but i mean this is the kind of people that are in our industry and then there are guys making millions who you know and i think we all bring something to the party somebody that doesn't love music but's great at business can help the guy that loves music but isn't great at business yeah it would be me i'm terrible at business like we have to, you know, this all has to kind of come. We can't have factions. So what, what I would like to do, what I would like to do at this point of the show is I'd like to open up the floor for questions for Jay. So if anyone has a question for Jay, get your hand up. Let's unmute you and let's hear your question. Robin has a question for Jay. Hey, hey Jay, isn't Joey just a down-to-earth guy, though? Isn't he? Amazingly nice. He's Super the kindest, down-to-earth. Kindest human being. He lives really close to me. Does right he really? my mom. <laughs> oh, no way. I talked to him about a month ago. He was buying uh, DDJ 1000 and had hit me up on Facebook and said, hey, can you tell me anything? And I was driving. So I'm like, I'll just give him a ring. Called him. We probably talked for an hour and a half. And I mean, it was one piece of knowledge after another. And the conversation was, you know, oh, that reminds me of this one time at 54 or this. And he doesn't do any of it to be showy. Nope. Like, doesn't. I mean, you know, I'd have a T-shirt, a suit, and a tie that all said, "Yeah, I'm that guy that used to DJ at 54." He's like, he looks like he's on his way to like a Mets game or something. Yeah, no, you would never know. <laughs> he just has a baseball oh, yeah. hat on and Big. sunglasses right. and a little mustache and right. Yeah, yeah. Well, the other night, I don't know if you guys saw it. I think Robin commented. I put up a post. I found a track Friday night that I played at an event, and it's called "Dance and Chant." Yes, I saw that. Okay, by Yolanda Be Cool. Yeah. But the thing is this, when I looked for the video link on YouTube, I found the original by, I think it's Sam Jam from 1979. And I'm like, oh, another song with the same title. I wonder, hit play, it's the same track. They've just added another kick to it. Right, right. The new one is great, but look where we are. Nobody's going back anymore 30 years ago to hear, or 40 years ago, to hear the original, like 
I think, think I think some of the kids are who are into it. You think? I think. No, and, I think they're like this. I think it's. I don't know that they are. And if, I hope you're right. Well, some of them aren't aware of it, but if they are, if they are made aware of it, they're very interested. I'll give you a perfect example. Okay. Uh, damn it! I'm trying to think of the name of the song. It's a Barry White tune. First class, everything. No, 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 no. Uh, Jesus. No, I can't remember this. I, I know it's a Barry White song, and the name is just eluding me. But it's the sample that Robbie Williams used in Rock DJ. If you Love know Unlimited? that. Huh? Is it Love Unlimited? No, 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 no. You don't even know. Anyway, if you're familiar with Robbie Williams' Rock DJ, he used that Barry White sample. And um, anyway, there was a guy in the garage today who helped me work on the car. And, and he was like, this is a pretty groovy you know, jam right here. We had 54 radio on. I said, does it sound familiar? He said, no. I said, well, listen to Robbie Williams' Rock DJ. Listen to that song. It came out about 20 years ago. They used this as the loop in the track. And now he's got a tune he's listening to in, in, in his car that he loves. Right. He wasn't made aware of it, you know, until somebody turned him on to it. And that's the job of the DJ. I agree. Sometimes. Sometimes, Sometimes our job is to shut up and play YMCA. And whatever they're asking for, and and and, and watch me by Sleto. Sometimes that's our job, but other times our job, I feel, is to be that person who who knows more about music than the average person. Is it our job long. to break new tracks? Well, maybe sometimes if it's really good. Why I'll not? If it's really good, but. I mean, we can get into a whole other conversation about when was the last time you heard something that was really good. I, I'll tell you when, and I tell you when I did it. April 2014. It's the only time I've ever done a wedding or really an event where I was like, these are brand new. Bride and groom were into dancing. And the week of the wedding, they said, there's a new David Guetta track out. Can you play it? I said, sure. I go look at promo only. Wow, new track with Akon. Play hard. I hit play, and it's Alice DJ, Better Off Alone, my jam. So I'm like playing it, because that's the hook. It takes right. the Better Off Alone hook. Right. That same week, Pharrell with Daft Punk, Get Lucky. Oh, sure. Same week, Blurred Lines, Robin yeah. Thicke. Played all three, had never played them, played <laughs> all the same wedding, put them up on YouTube. It took YouTube seven years to catch me on copyright or five years, but they all went over huge. And it was like, right after that, I'm like, yes, I'm a DJ now. Like I'm breaking new tracks. And then That's nothing came out that you wanted to play for anyone. I still play Usher. Yeah. And get a great response. Why, why am I breaking new music? Anybody else have anything for Jay, our special guest tonight on the Shaggy news. I was smiling. Nobody's got anything else. Well, Nobody is. wants to talk to you, dude. Oh, somebody does. I heard a voice for a second, and then it went away. Do DJs need to be producers? No. No, 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 of course not. Producers course need not. to stop DJing. <laughs> well, how else is a producer going to make money? They can't make it through publishing anymore. Yeah, this is true. So they got to do something. I mean, that's why you saw all these DJs like Geta. It wasn't really a DJ, but he decided to DJ because how else is he going to earn? Yeah, he's like an artist today. I mean, we've talked about this example. before. 
He goes you, out and gets famous artists to do his tracks. He's like, Kelly Rowland was still huge from Destiny's Child. He's like, hey, try this song I'm doing. Rest is history. Plus, he had an awesome singer in Chris Willis. Well, right. But but the thing is, is that even Lady Gaga, I mean, who's huge, yeah, needs to tour to earn. Right. Or act or do You're something else other than just try to sell records because you're not going to sell any records i'll tell you how crazy it's gotten i if you didn't know this you probably do i have every release aerosmith's ever put out love aerosmith boston boston i have a picture of joe perry on my yearbook page love aerosmith seen him probably 10 times say to the wife hey aerosmith's got a residency in vegas we should go see them the last row on the top of the park mgm stadium the nosebleeders $298. You want to sit down wow. in what's considered the floor? Floor starts at $1,075. Mm, yeah. mm, mm. And I'll tell you why. Because Pre- baby boomers have all the money and they compete for everything. And that's why. And they all suck. Sorry. No, sorry. Well, it's not only that, it's they're in Vegas. Yeah. They're expensive. <laughs> Two, that's what they're asking for, and that's what they're getting. <clears throat> but the saddest part about this is, you know who's in the audience? Probably not real fans. Right. Probably not yeah, people. Real fans can't afford that kind of. saw them play 2,000-seat halls that weren't sold out like I did back in the day. That's not their audience today. You're going you're gonna to get me going off on something else that's just All been right, bugging let's me. Let's get back to, yeah. Well, it's just. The Eagles started it, dude, $398 for the cheap seats because all the 70s stoners became doctors and lawyers and had the money. Right. Hello. Right. We've had this discussion. True talent, real true talent on your instrument will always put you second to popularity, meaning the most talented bands will never sell out the big stadium. It's always the other band. Poison could sell out a stadium where – Todd Rundgren is playing a thousand seat hall in Milwaukee. It happens. And yeah. we're happy to have him. And we're, we're very happy. to. Well, I'm not because I don't live in Milwaukee. Well, but if I did, I'd be hanging out with you. We Ryan. are happy to have him. Yes. I have, some, I, have, I have something to add to that. Yes, Howie. Hey, Howie. Hey, Jay. Um, interesting. You should mention the prices of the seats because, um, uh, of course, you know, I'm from Jersey here and Billy Joel holds the record for selling out Madison Square Garden every time. And if you notice, the first two rows of all his seats are empty. He buys the first two rows. Really? And Yes. He takes the true fans that can only afford the $300 nosebleed seats. He sends his guys up to, to the true fans to fill up the first two rows. He said he doesn't want he does not want the yuppies. He he he, he was in uh, Rolling Stone. So he doesn't want them in the front row. They just have the money to buy. Right. He wants well, the true fans. Well, there. Jay, Jay, Stevie told you her Paul McCartney story, right? Yes. Yes, yeah. she did. Yeah. So, yeah, my my daughter basically gets lawn seats for Paul McCartney a couple of years ago. And to make a long story short, a security person grabbed her and her date and brought them to like the third row. Yeah. Because they were the people that Paul wanted up front. Yeah. I mean, I saw 
Pearl Jam probably 15 years ago. And I saw them from probably the 20th row on the floor. And I said to the guy that invited me, what do I owe you for the ticket? And he goes, it's $22. I'm like, wow, you got great seats for 22 bucks. He goes, well, I got them online through their site. This is the way they do it. Yeah. Join their fan club. You get an email saying our tickets are going on sale. If you buy multiple tickets to multiple shows, Mm -hmm. you keep getting better seats. So the two drunk guys in the parking lot next to us who are probably in their 40s were sitting in the fourth row. It was the seventh show of the tour they had seen. It was almost akin to like Deadheads. Right. Right. But I have to tell you, there's it's not there anymore. It used to be called Irvine Amphitheater. Big, huge outdoor amphitheater. And massive stage. Pearl Jam took up maybe like 10 by 10 bucks. And they perform, and I didn't get their, I love their music, like, not love, I really like them, but I never got their popularity. You have to see them live to get it. They I guess. They I genuinely, their pleasure. they play. At the end of the show, it was announced, if you wanted to buy a CD of the show, live, recorded from the master, hmm. they were $5 in the back. Wow, that's pretty cool. They played Boston about seven years ago, six years ago, and they had three sold-out nights at what's called, I think, the TV fleet. This is the Boston Garden. It's not called that anymore, but that's what it is to me. And they decided they would play every single song they've ever released over three nights so people could buy three CDs for $15. With all the songs on Right. If you didn't go to the show, that's okay. You could buy the CD off their website. That to me is somebody that's passionate about music. You know, it's funny. I remember, I th- it must have been two thousand or ninety-seven, I think, or ninety. Maybe it was ninety-six. Ninety-six or ninety-seven. I believe it was ninety-seven. Prince decided to tour after a long Prince hiatus, and and he was doing a show at the United Center in Chicago, and it wasn't a thing where you could call up, you know, Ticketmaster or whatever. You had to call the special number. At, right. starting at like 10 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday. And and they, you could buy vouchers. You couldn't buy tickets, though. You could buy vouchers. And with these vouchers, you had to go to uh, the United Center, show them your ID. In fact, not just your ID, but everybody in your party's ID. You had to register these vouchers with individuals. They weren't right. transferable. Wow. And then from there, you went into this gated area where you were issued a ticket and then you were brought to your seat it was the weirdest thing it's crazy and and uh we we I did it with uh my friend cheryl and we got the vouchers like we showed our ids we got the tickets we went in and it was kind of towards the back you know so the usher brought us in and they said okay come this way and they kept walking towards the stage and we thought, okay it's got to be around here somewhere no 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 keep coming keep coming we ended up seventh row center of that show. Wow. And we paid, I I think it was like 40 bucks a ticket. But the only people who could get in were real fans. I mean, it's cool when people yeah. do that. It's really cool when people do that. But. By, by the way, for those of you, as a side note, this would be in parentheses right now, so I'll do it that way. Um, Brian Red has met Prince many times. And no, no, it's not true. Yes, maybe, maybe, maybe twice. Maybe twice. Do you know anyone? And, and meeting, anyone meeting, meeting play? Prince. To me, Prince is a very um, relative. God. 
term. It's not like meeting your next door neighbor. It's it was there are people who are involved in our community who actually worked with him and know him and have had conversations with them. Uh, I'm not that guy. I've just maybe in passing. A few yeah, but times. you know him on a on a level. I think you guys had a connection somehow. Mm, no, I don't know. You're the biggest Prince fan I know. No, I know you stood no. next to him. No, 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 no. In another life, I knew people who who did work with him and and uh, been to Paisley and all that stuff. But no, it's 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 not that that big of a thing. It's something we really talk about. There are people here on this Jackie News from Minnesota who have better Prince stories than I have. Oh, please. Yes, definitely. All right. You guys have had the J experience tonight. And if you like the J experience, please, please be vote. Sure, be sure to like this video when it gets posted on YouTube and leave a comment. And if you'd like to see J come in more and just kind of do what J does, which is always interesting, let us know and we'll bring J back. I so, read out script. So those of you who are in the chat right now, don't go nowhere. Stick around. We're going to have some cool Here's live free forum talking. Uh, just rapping, open everybody's microphones, and uh, but but this is the end of the broadcast. So I want to thank you all for watching, and we'll see you next time. Thank you, Jay. Thank you, thank Robin, you. Howie, Johnny, Adrian, Chris, James, and of course DJ Brian K. Thanks for watching. Uh -huh.